0: Well, good morning. Great to see you all this morning. And uh, just so you know, our our goal again is $30,000 for Faith Promise. I think we're about halfway there, so uh, we've got a good start. got a little ways to go. And uh, if you fill those cards out when you leave the building, you can put those in the bucket back there, and that way uh, we'll have record of that. And you can also go to the Giving app that Brad just talked about. And uh, under those tabs, under Giving, you can select Faith Promise, and you can do your giving automated if you want to do that, which is really easy, and we encourage you to do that as well. But uh, we're glad that you're here today. A bunch of people are gone on fall break, and to all of them who are probably joining us online, uh, we just want you to know we're jealous of you. I hope you have a good time. Uh, But thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here, because if you weren't here, I'd be by myself, and that wouldn't be any fun. You know, I'd be lonely, and I don't like being lonely, so I'm glad that you're here. Uh, but you picked a good week because we started a, a series last week that we're calling IN. And uh, we're, we're focusing on four uh, words that begin with those letters I-N that all are, they're biblical truths, but they kind of point to who we are in Jesus and what God thinks about us. And uh, if you can remember, clear back to last week in in our first session together, we talked about how every single one of us has been invited into God's kingdom. That's really good news, by the way. So you've been invited, you know, nobody's been excluded. And so you've been, yeah, like three of you are really happy about that, that's awesome. The rest of you will wake up, that's okay. But uh, yeah, we've been invited into God's kingdom And so no matter, you know, who you are, where you've been, what you've done, you have been invited into the family of God. And the reality is that in the end, the only ones who are going to be excluded will be the ones who refuse to accept the invitation. But we've all been invited. Uh, This week, we're going to shift our attention a little bit, and we're going to look at the second reality, second biblical truth. And that is that not only have you been invited, but also you are invaluable. You're invaluable. And just so you know, that word invaluable doesn't mean not valuable. In fact, it means the exact opposite of that. That word invaluable is a word that means essential. It means irreplaceable. It means that you are uniquely important and valuable in the eyes of God. That also is very good news. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus kind of illustrates this truth. He tells a story, a parable. A parable is simply a story that is intended to point to a deeper truth. And the deeper truth that Jesus is pointing to here is this idea of every individual is valuable in his eyes. And so he tells this story, a very familiar story, about this shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And one day, one of the sheep wanders off and gets lost. It gets separated from the rest of the sheep. And he says that this this shepherd so loved the one, just this one. He loved him so much that he actually leaves the 99 other sheep to go out and find the one. And the point is, Jesus, of course, is not talking just about shepherds and sheep. Later he says, I'm the good shepherd, and he compares us to the sheep. The point is, this is how valuable that you are. I was thinking about that this last week. This weekend, uh, we had our, our youngest grandson with us the whole weekend. Oh. <laughs> we have two grandsons. Our oldest, Leighton, is 12 and our youngest Gage is, is the baby and just turned one here a few months ago. And uh, he's walking now. Actually, he doesn't walk anywhere, he runs everywhere he goes. Um, he went straight from crawling. To running, and uh, some of you know this. When you have little ones who just kind of start this, um, his his upper body tends to go faster than his lower body will carry him. So um, he's got bumps and bruises all over his head. But um, we 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 took him yesterday. We were trying to, to figure out, you know, how can we keep him occupied because he has all this energy. And so we decided to go to the children's zoo. It was a beautiful day. We went in the afternoon to the children's view, zoo zoo. And um, I, I lost track of how many times either Laura and I said the words, keep your eyes on him. You know, you got to keep your eye on him because he'll just like get down and boom, he is gone. And, um, and, and you know, you I, I, you got to be careful with him. And, and, and I know Laura especially would say that to me, and, and which is fair because I have the tendency to lose things. <laughs> and uh, I didn't lose him, but I was thinking, you know, if something happened and I did, imagine if I did. I doubt that Laura would be cool, you know, if I, if, if I said, you know, I, Gage wandered off somewhere. I don't know where he went. He was here a minute ago. He wandered off, and he's lost. But don't worry about it. We got another one. <laughs> I doubt that would fly. In fact, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't fly. Why? Because each of our grandsons hold a unique spot in our hearts. That each of them are uniquely valuable to us. That there's nobody that could replace them. Each of them are uniquely valuable to us. And what we need to understand this morning is the way that we feel about our grandsons and our children, uh, that's the way God feels about us. Sure, you know, he's got a whole lot of other children, but it's not like, you know, he's like, well, you know, Joe's not part of the kingdom yet, and no biggie, because we got a lot of other Joes in the world. No, Joe is part of the kingdom, by the way, but but, but he's not like that. I mean, there's nobody that can replace Joe. Joe is uniquely valuable in the eyes of God, and so are you, and we need to understand that, that each of us are uniquely valuable to him, because there's nobody else like us. We, we, we've heard it said before, you know, when he broke you, he, he broke the mold. There's nobody else like you. But, but not only are you uniquely valuable because you're unique in the way that God made you, but when he created you, he created you for a unique purpose. That, that each of us are invaluable to the mission of God. That you, you have been prepared for. With your own, you know, by your own unique uh, talents and passions and experiences and abilities, you have been uniquely prepared to participate in the mission of God. And God knew what he was doing. When he he puts you right here, right now, in this time, in this moment, because it's in this place, in this time, that you can best glorify God. And so I want you to understand that. Please don't, don't miss this, that you, each one of you, sometimes when I'm preaching, I wish I could just take each of you and like hold your head in my hands and look you in the eye, which would be really weird for some of you, But, um, and, and just say that you are uniquely valuable to God and to his mission. And and in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, he talks about this very thing. He's trying to help us understand this. And in order to do so, he uses this metaphor to try and help understand how valuable each of us are individually. And I find this really interesting because this is a letter that he wrote to a group of people who lived in a, a town called Corinth. They're called the Corinthians. And this group of people that he's writing this letter to, apparently they wrestled with this very thing about individually, do I have much value? And what's interesting is, as you look at the history of this, um, that, that many of these folks in the early first century Corinthian church had lived much of their lives as slaves. Many of them had been slaves. Some of them currently were living as slaves. And in, in, in the, the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul begins this letter by saying, not many of you were from noble birth. In other words, he understood that there wasn't a lot of value that was placed on these folks, that they weren't the upper echelon of society, that many of them didn't have much of an education at all, and they didn't have a lot of power, they didn't have a lot of wealth. And, and so they, they could have operated, and probably in some ways did, they they probably kind of thought about their life as followers of Jesus the way that they thought about the rest of their life that that you know life my life really isn't that important my life really doesn't matter that whole that much i i don't have really that much to offer that will make that big of a difference in the world and so paul in knowing this he uses this metaphor where he compares them as individuals to, to like being different parts of a body, I want you to look at what he says in First in Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. He says, "The human body has many parts, but the many parts together make up the whole body." And Paul says, "So it is with the body of Christ. It's just like that, that, that the human body has many parts. We know this, right? I mean, I mean, how many of us here have bodies? I got worried there for a second. Like half of you do. The rest of you will wake up here in a little bit. By the way, you all have, if you're here, you have a body, okay? And so we know this, that each of our bodies have individual parts. And each of those parts serve a specific, unique, important function. So in other words, you think about this. So we have eyes that see. Without the eyes, we won't be able to see. We have ears that hear. Without our ears, we wouldn't be able to hear. We, we have a nose that takes in smells. We have mouths that, that speak and take in food. We have a heart that pumps blood. The human body has all of these uniquely different parts that by themselves aren't the body. They're just a part of the body. In order to be the body, they all have to come together and they have to work together. And so Paul says listen, when it comes to the church, the body of Christ, that's the way it's supposed to work. In fact, that's the only way that it will work. We we all may play an individual part, and each of those parts is extremely important, but it's only when we work together that we become the body of Christ. It's kind of like this. I want you to, to just kind of play a game with me this morning just for fun. We, um, we had to postpone our trivia night that we had scheduled uh, for tonight. We're going to do that another time. But, but in, in lieu of that, we're going to play a little trivia this morning. And, and the topic for this morning is animals. And uh, so what I want to do is I'm going to show you some pictures of some animals and we're going to test your knowledge this morning. Some of you're like, "Oh, man, it's early and you know, whatever. We're going to do it anyway." All right? So so here we go. Let's go. We have the first one up here. Okay, so this of course, we're going to start out easy. These are Oh, you guys are doing so good already. Yeah. <laughs> These are elephants. So, one of them alone is an elephant. When you put them together, they're called a what? A, a herd. Yeah, a herd of elephants, okay? I don't know why I ever ask you guys questions because when it comes to ears, mine don't work very well. So I just hear, and, I'm, and I just assume you said the right answer. So I'm like, yeah, a herd of elephants. So, Yeah, they're a herd, okay? So the next one here. These are? Lions, yeah. And, and a group of lions together is called a? Pride. I heard that. Y'all said it really good in unison. All right, so we're going to get a little harder now. These next ones are? Cheetahs, you did good. I expected a few leopards out there, but yeah, they're, they're cheetahs. Um, anyone know what a group of cheetahs are called? And Pastor Brad, they're not Cheetos, so <laughs> I know how you are. Anybody know what a group of cheetahs is called? They're called a coalition. It's a coalition of cheetahs, all right? Okay, so this next one is, those are crows, blackbirds, crows. Um, and this one's really interesting. Does anybody know what a group of crows together is called? A murder, a murder. yeah. Some of you guys knew that, which that, that's your Halloween-themed one right there. And so th- this next one, will go along with it. The next one is vultures or buzzards. What a, you know what a group of buzzards, vultures? What, what is it? Turkey They're turkey vultures, okay. But what are they as a group? It's called a committee, that's true. That's why I hate, sometimes they'll just, you can committee yourself to death. And so uh, those are, it's called a committee. Um, and then this, just a couple more. This, this one, next one here is, we saw these at the zoo yesterday. These, of course, are flamingos. This is the one. Anybody know what a group of flamingos are called? It's called a flamboyance. That's fitting, isn't it? All right, next one. It's the couple, oh, this, this is the last one. Okay, these are Rhinos, I have trouble saying the word rhinos, I want to say rhinocerosauruses, but they're rhinos. And a group of rhinos, this is my favorite one of all, a group of rhinos is called a crash. (laughs) This is a fun fact, okay? This has nothing to do with my sermon, this part of it, but this is a fun fact. So I read that a, a rhino can run 30 miles an hour but he can only see 31 feet in front of him. That's why he's called a crash, because he really doesn't care what's at 31 feet in front of him, because he's a rhino. He'll just run through it. But uh, that's, that's probably a whole other message that we could get into. But, but the point is this, is that each of these animals alone has an individual name. But when they get together in a group, they actually take on a whole new identity. Each of them alone are this. But when they get together in a group, they take on a whole new identity. This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand. He says, okay, so one person submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you might call that person a a Christian. You could call them a disciple. But when you get a whole bunch of Christians or disciples gathered together in a group to worship God, empowered by his spirit to make a difference in the world, a group like that all of a sudden takes on a whole new identity that we call the church or the body of Christ. Please don't miss this. On your own. You are a disciple, which is an awesome thing to be. But disciples were never intended to go it alone. It was never intended to work that way. It's always been intended for disciples, for Christians to gather together with other spirit-filled, word-empowered believers and actually take on this powerful new identity called the church or the body of Christ. But here's the deal. If, if you, if, or if any individual is not active, in, in other words, if you're not plugged into the body, if you're not actively contributing, if you're not actively serving in ministry in some way or another, if, if your idea of being a part of the church is really kind of passive, it's just, you know, you just kind of have an, an inactive part of the body, then that's really what it's like. It's like having an inactive part of the body which in turn causes the rest of the body to suffer. It's kind of like this. You know, if, if one day my hands just decided, you know what, we're tired. I mean, we have grabbed things for this guy. We have picked up things for this guy for 50-some years, and we're just kind of tired of doing it. I think it's time for somebody else to pick up. It's time for the eyes to do that work. I mean, that would be really hard. I, I, I got my water here. And it just just won't work. It just doesn't work that way. And see, what we have to understand is, we really need to embrace this, is that each of us and the part that we play, the role that we play based on how God designs us, it matters. You matter. You see, God created you to play a part. And your part in the body matters. Paul goes on, and he, he kind of talks about this and fleshes it out. In verse 14, he says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. He says in verse 15, if the foot says, well, I'm not really a part of the body because I'm not the hand. I mean, the hands, you know, they get all the credit and all the recognition, and so I'm just a foot. I'm no, he says, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, well, I'm not really part of the body because I'm not an eye would that make it any less part of the body? He goes on, he says, if the whole body were an eye, and just kind of imagine that visual, it's kind of funny, but if the whole body were just this big eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? I love the way that Paul illustrates this. He's like, like, if you've been designed to play a specific role in the body, And you fall into the temptation or the trap of thinking that what you bring to the table isn't important, or if you have a tendency to get jealous of the role that other parts of the body play, I mean, think about this. If you were an ear, just think about how much attention the eyes get. It'd be easy to get jealous. Eyes get all the attention, right? I mean, uh, no one's ever had an ear-to-ear conversation, uh, no, no one has, has ever uh, looked you know, lovingly into the ear and spoke gentle words of love. I mean, if anybody's done that to you, hopefully you dumped them and got rid of them because that's just weird. It's not right. You know, we don't look into the ear and speak words of love. It's not normal. But, but, but just think about that. Think about the value. I mean, this is a real deal. The value that we place on the eyes And the things we 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 reflect on the things that we say about the eyes, and it just doesn't work the same to say it about the ears. Like you know, beauty is in the ear of the beholder. Doesn't work as well. Or or she's got bedroom ears. That one really doesn't work at all. Or you're the apple of my ear. I've got all kinds of them. I can just go on and on and on. But you know, because I only have ears for you. It's just not the same. And so Paul says, you know, the ear could just easily say, I guess I'm not really that important because they always talk about the eyes and the eyes are beautiful and only the eyes are important. But here's the deal. If the ear did say that, who would hear it? Because we need the ear. You gotta have ears to hear. The point is, every part matters. Your part. The, The role that you were created to play, your part Your presence, your voice, your opinion, your contribution, it matters to the body. It matters to the family of God. This is what Paul is saying. He goes on in verse 22 and he says, In fact, some parts of the body that seem or appear or look like the weakest and seem like they're the least important are actually the most necessary. In other words, what Paul is saying here is the people that that many tend to overlook, you know, those who work behind the scenes, and they're they're not the ones that are up here on the platform that are visible, that they're so often the ones that people tend to overlook, but they're the most necessary part of the body. I was thinking about that this past week, and, you know, every single week that we gather together in this place, there are a number of people who serve down in the basement. Every week, there are people who check in kids and do children's ministry. There are those who provide security. There are those who work in the nursery and they hold your babies. There are those who who teach your kids Bible verses and songs about Jesus. And they love on those kids like Jesus loves on them. And they just share the love of Jesus with the kids. And most of us, Especially those of us who don't have children, we never see those folks serving. But can I tell you this morning, the contribution that they make is extremely vital to the life of the church. We wouldn't survive without their ministry. We certainly wouldn't be who God wanted us to be. I was thinking about you know, our tech team. Nobody notices the tech team until something goes wrong. Right, And then everybody looks back, you know, when a, when a speaker pops or, uh, you know, all of a sudden the lights go dim. <laughs> we didn't even practice that. You know, it's in those moments that they get noticed. But the rest of the time, they're just kind of like Batman in the shadows. But, but here's the deal. If it wasn't for our dedicated tech team, first of all, none of you would be able to hear me very well. The worship team wouldn't sound near as good as they sound. And those of you who are joining us online, you wouldn't even be able to do that. We we typically don't see them, but they are a vital part of the body. The same could be true of the coffee team. Thank God for the coffee team, huh? Thank God for, for caffeine. I mean, more of you would be sleeping during this time if it wasn't for the coffee team. So thank Jesus for caffeine. And then, you know, there's our, our second chance sponsors, those who drive and cook meals every week. And there, there are others every week who go and, and pick up people who need a ride and they bring them to church. And these are not obvious ministries. And not everybody sees it. But, but if they weren't doing what they were doing and, and, there weren't pe- and people had no way of getting here, I, I mean, what would we do without them? What would we do without you? We'd be an incomplete body is what would happen. I was thinking about those who provide addiction support and those who help with the meal train when someone's in need and those who provide administrative support. Listen, uh, Crystal Warstrel will probably kill me, first of all, because I just mentioned her name in public because she's like, you know, the most behind the scenes person that there is, but, but she provides such an important ministry in our office, especially to the pastoral staff. I mean, she's always ministering and serving and helping us. And if one day she just decided, you know what, I'm not really that important. What I do is not really that important, and she left. Which, by the way, Crystal, wherever you are, you can never do that. (laughs) Yeah, clap for Crystal. But if that happened, trust me, we would be a mess. You see, what I'm trying to help us understand is that Regardless of whatever role you play, and I could name a whole bunch of other roles, but nobody wants this sermon to be three hours long, including me, because the chiefs play today. (laughs) But whatever role you play, we need you. Every role matters. And if you're not plugged in, and if you don't have a role, then the truth is that we as a body are not going to be all that God has called us to be. It takes every part. Together. To be Christ's body, and if one part isn't functioning, then the whole body's gonna suffer. Again, in thinking about this, uh, you know, I thought about you know there, there are several you know or there there are certain parts of the body that get um, a lot of attention, and others just kind of get overlooked. Like when you think about even the hand, just the parts of the hand, you know, you think about that. For instance, the thumb gets all kind of attention. I mean, we saw that when you're a baby, you suck it. You can play thumb games with it. Thumbs get all kinds of attention. The, the, the pointer finger, it gets used a lot, especially by parents and pastors. You know, we use that one a lot. The middle finger, I'm not going to show you. Unfortunately, it gets used a whole lot, not for the glory of God, especially in traffic. And then there's the ring finger. I mean, that's a special finger. It gets decorated with jewelry, you know, gold and diamonds and all that kind of stuff. It gets all of the bling and all of the attention. And then there's the poor little pinky finger. I mean, yeah, the occasional pinky swear. But what else? This is interesting. I read the the pinky finger actually provides 50% of the hand's strength. The least and the less of the hand provides the majority of the strength. You see, this is what Paul is trying to help us understand. He's saying it's often the parts that you tend to neglect and don't think about, the ones that are least visible or seem like they're really not that important, that are actually the most important. I hope you'll understand this because what you do, it may not be the most visible But that in no way means it's not important. I mean, you may be here this morning, and your your ministry is that you're an invisible prayer warrior. You, You just spend tons of time seeking God and praying for other people, and nobody knows it. Nobody sees it. But week after week, when we gather together in this place, and God shows up, And lives are changed, and people encounter the saving grace of Jesus Christ that so often has happened because of you and your prayers and the prayers that you pray. Your private prayer actually has the power to impact our public services. There are those of you who give generously, and and nobody knows you don't want anybody to know. But, but even though your, your ministry is not visible, what it does is it allows us to do things that are very visible. It's how we do children's ministry and youth ministry and, and second chance ministry and how we help those who are in financial crisis. Your, your ministry may be as simple as helping somebody feel welcome, You know, just a, a smile and saying welcome to Connecting Point to a person who it's their very first time. And it may not be incredibly visible, but just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not important. You see, some of the most important things that happen here are actually done by parts of the body that are least celebrated and least visible. And the truth is, other people may never even know what your gift does. They may not know that you prayed for them. In fact, oftentimes you May not fully this side of heaven even understand how you're investing in ministry of connecting point, how it has impacted, like how it's impacted our our kids and our teens, and how your investment in them in helping them get to camp or NYC, you may never even know what that did. What seeds were planted and how that had an impact in their lives. You, You may never know how that one smile. When somebody walked in for the very first time, nervous, uncomfortable, in a new place, never been in church, afraid, wondering what in the world are they going to do in there, that that one moment of welcome, a kind face, a kind word, how that helped them come back again. In fact, I heard this really cool story a couple of years ago. I, I was in Kansas City at a pastoral cohort, and one of the pastors from Life Church in uh, Craig Rochelle's church, the main church in Oklahoma City he, he, he shared, or she shared how that they were doing these baptisms this one year. And this one man who, when he gave his testimony, he talked about how, you know, my life was a wreck. I was kind of at the end of my rope. I tried everything I knew to try. And one day I was driving by the church. In fact, I happened to drive by there quite often. And every time I would drive by, I would see this one guy. They had like a parking team and they have people out with signs and that kind of thing. And he said, I saw this one guy out there and he always had a smile on his face. And every time I would drive by, he would wave at me. And this one day I was just kind of at the end of my rope and I drove by and I saw him and he smiled at me and he waved at me. And something inside of me said, you've tried everything but church. Why don't you try that? And so he said, because of that guy, I turned in. I went inside. I thought, I'll just check it out. I sat down, and I heard the gospel presented for the very first time. I heard that Jesus loved me and cared about me and had a plan for my life, and that he could heal the brokenness. And I made a decision in that moment to surrender my life to Jesus Christ, and it made all the difference in the world to me. And this guy said, it was because of the guy who smiled at me and waved at me. You never know how God is going to use you. You, you never know how God might use uh, 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 just your, your welcoming to somebody. You, you never know how God might use. We talked about the, 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 the trick or treat that's, or trunk or treat that's coming up. Listen, you never know how God might use you because you committed to have a trunk and pass out candy, how somebody came and their life is hurting and broken and they're wounded and they're just looking for an answer and they didn't come here for that, they just came for candy. But they encountered somebody and there's something in you. See, the Bible talks about that when Jesus is in us that we can have what is called the aroma of Christ. In other words, there's something attractive about us that that it's not us, it's Jesus, and because you have the aroma of Christ in you, and you say, you know what, I'm going to serve in this little way, and it really doesn't make that diff- much of a difference, you don't know how it could impact somebody's life. They could say, you know what, I might try that church thing. We've tried everything else, and it hasn't worked. Why not? They don't seem like that weird of people. You never know. You never know. Just because you do it, what you do is not visible, It doesn't mean it's not important. Understand this. You are invaluable to the work of Jesus Christ. And the church is incomplete without your contribution. You may say, well, you know what? I'm not like everybody else here. I mean, I didn't grow up in church, which, by the way, a lot of people didn't grow up in church. That's that's just something the enemy tries to throw at you, but you know I didn't grow up in church, and so I don't know enough. And 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 and, and you, you you preach that and you say that, but you don't know my past. You don't know my past. In fact, this is this is the awesome way that God works. Oftentimes, He'll take the very things that we're most ashamed of, and that will become our most effective mode of ministry. <laughs> Whatever it is you've been through, whatever it is that has brought pain in your life or shame in your life, I want you to know this morning that God will not waste it. You might. You can. But, but God won't waste it. He'll use it. But here's the deal. He can only use it if you let him use it. Oh, but you don't understand. You know, I, 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 I've been divorced. okay. So who better can help other people heal as they're going through a divorce or as they've been through a divorce than somebody who's experienced it? But but I was an addict. Awesome. I mean, what better person can help others who are struggling with addiction? But, but, but I was incarcerated. Perfect. I mean, who, who better can help somebody who, who understand the, the, the freedom of Jesus and the grace of Jesus and, and, and the reality that Jesus can forgive past faults and failures and sins and he can break destructive habits and lifestyles? You say, but I still struggle sometimes. Sometimes I have doubt. Sometimes I just don't feel like I know enough. Welcome to the club. Listen, I've never been turned off by somebody who says, you know, I just don't know enough. I just don't know enough. You know who turns me off? The people who think they know it all. Because I know they don't. And they're pretenders and posers. And the truth is that all of us are still growing and we're all still learning. You see, the bottom line is, if you have experienced The grace of Jesus and the love of Jesus, then you're qualified. Your your contribution matters. I I wonder what would happen if every member of this body would commit themselves somehow, some way, to engage in some kind of ministry. I wonder how that would change, Not, not just this church, but I wonder how that would impact our community. I wonder how that would impact our world. If, if each of us saw our role as significant and invaluable, if I don't do it, then it's not going to get done. If I don't do it, it just, I've got to do it. I wonder what would change if we just thought like that. Listen, every time you give, it, it may not be much, but your gift matters. Every every time you, you pray, you may not feel like anything happens, but every single time you pray, your prayer touches the heart of God and something happens. He does something every single time you pray. Every time we gather in this place for worship, and every time we lift our voices together and we just worship God in spirit and in truth, you may not even feel like it that weekend, but believe me, it matters to the heart of God and it matters to you. It matters to be in the presence of other believers. It matters to be a part of God's family, because everybody, every body needs every part. Everybody needs somebody. That, that ought to be a song. You, got, you guys have no idea how much Laura and I need you. We do. You have no idea how the prayers that you pray for us have carried us through this last year. You have no idea how... When, when you wrote a little note or shot an email or sent a text that just said, Pastor, we love you and we, we, we appreciate you and we're thinking about you and we're praying for you. You have no idea what that did for us. In that moment, there were moments of discouragement when all of a sudden God impressed on somebody's heart to send a quick note. And in that moment, you have no idea the energy that it gave me. The, the reminder that, man, yeah, what we're doing here matters. that that you can do this, that that it matters what you're doing, so let's just keep going. It's those little things that nobody else sees that matter so much, that are so valuable. They matter. You matter. And what you do matters. I'm going to close with this. I, I read a story recently about Babe Ruth, who, of course, is considered to be one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And um, during his career, he autographed a, a number of baseballs, and each of them, as you can imagine, are very valuable. But he only autographed seven bats in his entire career. Seven bats. And each of those bats he used to hit a home run. And so you can imagine, because he autographed so few of those bats that... Uh, they are exceptionally valuable. And and one of the bats that Babe Ruth used to hit a home run was one that he hit the very first game in Yankee Stadium against the Boston Red Sox 1923. In fact, Babe Ruth was interviewed before, and he said, man, it would just mean the world to me if I could hit a home run my very first game, very first time in this stadium. And, And wouldn't you know, that's what happened, April 18th, 1923. And... Until 2006, that bat had disappeared. Nobody knew what had happened to it. Uh, Originally, the bat was given away. It was a promotion just kind of thought up by his agent that it was given away to a a high school kid in a a home run contest. And, And at the time, nobody had the forethought to get the information, the contact information from the young man who had won the bat at the time. And so when he left with the bat, That was the last time it was seen, completely disappeared from public eye and was all but forgotten about. In 1988, the man who had won this bat after years of sickness was on his deathbed. And by this time, he was very old and and he had outlived most of his family. And so his closest friend was the nurse who had served him during, during his years of sickness. And so before he died, in appreciation to this nurse who had taken care of him and He he just wanted to let her know how much he loved and appreciated how she had served him. And so he gave this nurse his most prized possession, this autographed Babe Ruth bat. And and she was moved by it, but she she wasn't a sports fan. And, And so she had no idea that it was actually worth anything. It was just, you know, to her it was an old bat with some guy's name on it. And so for the next 18 years, she took that bat, and it was sentimental because he meant something to her, and so she kept it, but she kept it under her bed. Nobody knew about it, and it just was hidden underneath her bed. Finally, in 2006, she retired from nursing, and her entire life, her dream was she just wanted to own a restaurant, and she had hoped that someday when she retired that she could fulfill this dream, but here retirement came, and she didn't have the funds to be able to open the restaurant. And then one day she remembered that bat. And she wondered to herself, I wonder if that thing is worth anything. And so she took the bat down to a sports memorabilia shop to have it appraised. Well, immediately when the owner of the shop saw this bat, he was like, no way. There's no way in the world that this could actually be the missing Babe Ruth bat. And so he, he brought several experts in, and they, they evaluated the bat. They, they checked the signature and the, the age of the wood and the type of the wood, and they heard her story. And eventually they determined that this indeed was the real deal. And so in 2006, this missing Babe Ruth bat was put on auction where it brought $1.26 million. The woman took some of that money, just enough, to fulfill her dream and open a restaurant. The rest of the money, which was the lion's share, she used to begin a foundation to serve the children that Babe Ruth wanted to help at the end of his life. She opened an orphanage in Mexico. yeah. She knew that Babe Ruth had been an orphan, and and his heart were for those children who don't have parents. And so a, a reporter Asked her, why in the world would you give away so much of that money? To which she responded, because I knew that the only reason that that bat was valuable was because Babe Ruth's name was on it. And so, since he was what made it valuable, the only reasonable thing I could do would be something that honored his life. Listen. For those of you who have invited Jesus into your life, he has actually written his name on your heart. You have the name of Jesus on you. And that's what makes you valuable. And if the name of Jesus being written on our heart is what makes us valuable, how could we do anything but what honors him And honors what's most important to him. You see, that is what you were created for to live a life of value, to live a life of of significance, to live a life of importance. And we have this wonderful vehicle that we call the church that Jesus thought up. And he said, It's through my church that the redeeming work of the world will be done. Not a building, but a group of people gathered together in his name and we get to be a part of it. You get to be a part of it. And so if you're not doing that right now, why not? <laughs> and, and, and if not, why not now? There's no better time than now. And so here's what I want us to do as we wrap up this time together. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me this morning. And I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and if there's anybody here this morning, anybody who's joining us online, and you've never taken that step of faith and entered in, we talked about last week, the invitation to be a part of God's family, if you've never accepted that invitation and had the name of Jesus written on your life, I want to invite you to... Just take that step of faith this morning. You can do it as simple as this. I'm gonna pray a little prayer and, and you can just repeat it in the quietness of your own heart just as an invitation to Jesus, come, I'm inviting you to come into my life. I'm receiving your free gift of salvation. Not based on anything that I've done or could do, but based on what you've already done for me. When you died on the cross, when you took my sin and you nailed it there, you paid the penalty for my sin. And so if you want to take that step today, I want to invite you to pray this prayer again just in the quietness of your heart. Jesus, today I receive you. I invite you into my life. I invite you to be not just the forgiver of my sins, but the Lord and the leader of my life. Write your name on me, Jesus. Make me yours. Make, make my life count. Use me. Empower me. There, there may be those this morning who you prayed that prayer, but the Holy Spirit is just kind of prompted this morning. And as we've talked about, you've been kind of an inactive part of the body. And this morning, I believe that what God is calling you to is a deeper, more purpose-filled, more joy-filled life. There's no greater joy than allowing God to work through you. No matter how visible or invisible the role, no matter how big or small others may see it, there is no small part that we can play in the body of Christ so this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would stir some of our hearts, that you would draw us to a place where we get in the game, whether it be... Uh, becoming part of children's ministry or youth ministry or worship ministry or the coffee team or greeters or ushers or whether it be uh, being playing more of a significant role in prayer ministry or, uh, or whether it be actually giving a, a significant part of what you had given to us financially back to you to, to just make a difference in the world. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would challenge us individually, and you would call us to a deeper place. It is, it is our desire, it's my desire as the pastor of Connecting Point for us to be a fully functioning, healthy body. And so help us to take whatever steps individually in the role or the part that you might have us play in order to do that. And we just pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer this morning and you made a decision to invite Jesus into your heart for the very first time, we want to direct you back to the central hub. You can go there. And there's a place there that says uh, Spiritual Steps, and you can click on that. And there's, you can fill out a form there and just let us know, hey, I invited Jesus to be the, the Lord of my life. We just want to celebrate that with you. And we invite you, if you don't have a Bible, you can stop by the Next Steps table in front of the You Belong Here wall, and we'll get you a Bible. Pastor Brad will be happy to do that. We want to come alongside of you and celebrate that. If there's a specific area of ministry, you can go to that same place, Next Steps, and just let us know, hey, man, God stirred my heart and said, I really need to plug in here. We'll get somebody in contact with you in that ministry and get you plugged in. But let's let's all do this together. We need each other. We really do need each other, and we need the, the, the world needs us, needs us to function like a, a healthy, fully functioning body. See, the, the church is Jesus' plan. It's the hope of the world, because we're the ones who point people to Jesus, and it's going to take all of us to do that. So let's do that, and let's do it this week. As we go to our places of employment and school and work and all those places, let's go be the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears and the heart of Jesus. Have a great week. You are dismissed. Yeah.